following program is a presentation of Taylor Productions. Welcome back to the Easy Speak podcast, the podcast dedicated to children's speech and language needs. This is episode number four, April 2010, and I'm your host, Reed Taylor. For this episode, I'll continue with talking about some of the symptoms associated with language problems in school-age children. During the February 2010 episode, I talked about symptoms of a receptive language problem. And this time, I'll talk about the symptoms of an expressive language problem. Before we get to that, though, I'd like to share two comments with you that were sent in by Easy Speak podcast listeners. Ms. Arundhati Pandya, a graduate student at New Jersey City University, writes in part, quote, I find your podcasts very interesting and helpful in the field of special education and specifically in learning about speech language pathology. Thank you for giving students the opportunity to have access to such resourceful and informative podcasts, unquote. Thank you so much, Ms. Pandya. It's great to know that you are benefiting from this information. I had an opportunity to meet Ms. Pandya at a lecture given by Mr. Steve Goldberg, who is the principal of the A. Harry Moore Laboratory School, a department of New Jersey City University. Mr. Goldberg delivered a fine presentation on parent involvement in the schools, and meeting Ms. Pandya was a special treat. In response to Easy Speak podcast number three, what are the symptoms of a receptive language problem? Mr. James Grober writes, Dr. Taylor, I really enjoyed this edition of your podcast. I currently teach at an alternative high school in southern New Jersey. Prior to listening to the podcast, I was unaware of many of the potential symptoms of receptive language disorders. Many of my students exhibit one, if not many of the symptoms you have discussed. I wouldn't be surprised if many students with language problems throughout the United States are misdiagnosed or are simply overlooked. In addition, I also wouldn't be surprised if the frequency of diagnosis for expressive language disorders is much higher than receptive language disorders. I will now take a much different approach in the way I speak to my students and how I address some of the responses to my questions. Thank you, James Grober. Well, Mr. Grober, I'm glad that you enjoyed that episode, and I hope that you find other episodes just as enjoyable and useful to you as you touch the lives of your young students. Teachers have quite a task carrying out their responsibilities day after day. The pressures of teaching in an era of ever-increasing challenges from children with unique learning needs to parents with high expectations and administrators demanding more accountability must certainly make your work exhausting. On behalf of all of us who depend upon teachers to use their skills and knowledge to teach our young people, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifices, your caring attitude, and thank you for all the times that you've gone above and beyond the call of duty in the classroom. Also, thank you for each time that you have reached into your own pocket to purchase classroom supplies for which you have never been reimbursed. Mr. Grober made a good point concerning children being misdiagnosed or not treated at all for language problems. 
A major objective of this podcast is to raise awareness of communication impairments in children by sharing pertinent information with parents and teachers, not so you must take on the responsibility of diagnosis and treatment of these problems. Rather, it's my hope that the Easy Speak podcast information will inspire you to listen to children with fine-tuned ears. In the event that there is a problem, you may be the one to notice it and advocate for that child, getting him the appropriate diagnostic procedures and treatment. Thanks again, Mr. Grober, for your compliment. By the way, Mr. Grober happens to be a graduate student at New Jersey City University, and I hear that he's a very diligent student. Now, let's talk about the symptoms of an expressive language problem in school-age children. First of all, What is expressive language? The term refers to the ability to communicate one's thoughts, needs, and intentions with spoken or written symbols. Many children who experience difficulties in communicating their thoughts, needs, and or intentions are considered to have an expressive language problem. For this program, we'll focus upon the child's use of spoken symbols. A child experiencing impairment in expressing himself age-appropriately is at a serious disadvantage both socially and academically. For example, a child with an expressive language impairment may have great difficulty taking part in the typical give-and-take of conversation that children playing together often engage in. In time, this child may be left out of play activities by his peers because he is hard to understand when he speaks, or his expressive language impairment may be so severe that he doesn't speak at all, leaving his peers unwilling to include him in their play activities. Further, the child who is experiencing expressive language problems may be reluctant to ask questions in class or participate in class discussions, and this child cannot possibly take full advantage of content that the teacher is disseminating. So, what characteristics or symptoms should you be aware of in the school-age child who may be having a problem with expressive language? Be watchful for any one or more of the following. Number one, you may notice that the child has great difficulty recalling the names of people and things common to his environment as he is attempting to hold a conversation. Have you ever had one of those moments during a conversation where you can't remember a word? It's one of those moments where the word is on the tip of your tongue. When most of us have that experience, we're able to recall the word after a few seconds, and we continue with our conversation. Some children have this problem constantly because of a developmental or acquired condition that affects their expressive language ability. Number two. The child may have problems combining words appropriately to communicate in age-appropriate sentences. His words may not have proper endings that signal plural, possession, or past tense. Maybe he frequently omits important words that would contribute to your understanding of his sentence, or he seems to prefer speaking using single-word utterances. 3. You may have observed that the child often rambles when he is trying to communicate with you or his peers. He may often talk in circles without making a point. 4. Does the child overgeneralize the labels of common objects? For instance, does he refer to all animals that have a tail, four legs, and fur as a dog? Does he refer to every liquid that he sees in a cup or bottle 
as juice. Very young talkers often substitute one label for another within the same broad category, but once the child reaches about five years old, this behavior should be significantly diminished. Number five, does he appear to be exceptionally shy, reluctant to speak regardless of the social setting? Number six, upon observation, have you noticed that the child presents with dull or flat affect? Does he seem expressionless in his vocal intonation, facial expression, and body language? 7. Have you noticed that the child tends to overuse interjections that have little or no communication value as he speaks, such as like, well, you know, um, or uh? 8. Does he pause frequently during speaking as if searching for his words? And nine, does he seem to rely upon communicating in simple sentences that don't seem to strike you as age-appropriate? If you observe any one or more of these symptoms, the child may have an expressive language problem that should be looked at by an ASHA-certified SLP. This professional will take into account things such as the child's age and the linguistic community from which the child comes when determining whether a language impairment exists. It is possible that characteristics you've observed are actually appropriate given the child's age. It's also possible that the characteristics that you have reported are indicative of a language impairment that requires immediate attention. In any event, it is admirable that you were attentive enough to the child that you raised a red flag. I've been an SLP for 34 years, and I've had my share of referrals from parents and teachers which turned out to be nothing to be worried about. In such cases, I had an opportunity to put the adult's mind at ease and explain why there was nothing to be concerned about. On the other hand, I've had referrals for children who in fact were diagnosed with language impairments that required therapeutic procedures, all because an observant parent or a teacher stepped up to the plate and approached me about a concern. So, don't second-guess yourself. If you think there is a problem, a language problem in your child or student, make that referral. Here's an easy bit of advice that I always give parents and teachers who are worried that they don't know when to make a referral to the SLP. If you find yourself listening more to how the child speaks as opposed to listening to what the child is saying, there's probably something going on with the child's communication that is worthy of evaluation by an SLP. This can apply to all suspected speech and language impairments. Trust your feelings, your instincts, and speak up for a child who may not be able to speak up for himself. I hope this episode has been of help to you as you endeavor to raise your child or teach your students. To send a comment or question, simply click the comments link for this show and I may read your letter on an upcoming show. Check back to look for new episodes or subscribe to the Easy Speak podcast to get automatic updates. Until we meet here again, take care of yourselves. This is Reed Taylor for the Easy Speak Podcast, and that's a wrap.